I'm a covenant man Living in the riches of my Lord and King I'm a covenant man Committed to Him in everything I do believe He'll come again And I know one thing I'm gonna do till then Is learn to live in the blessing of Abraham Hello everybody and welcome to the Covenant Living Broadcast. I'm David Weeder. This is Lynn Weeder, and we are excited that you're with us today as we continue studying about faith. Praise God. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into the word. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for every life touched and impacted around the world by this message today. We thank you for the Holy Spirit being the teacher of the church and teaching through our minds and lips the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And even beyond that, revealing to each individual in the sound of our voice what, what you would have them to receive from this teaching today. We're so grateful for your power, for your love, for your compassion, for your grace that has provided all things for our victory. We thank you for it. We praise you for it with grateful hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen, amen, amen. Hey, make that cup of coffee, get a glass of tea, whatever you'd like. Pull up to the table, get your Bible and notebook. You're going to want your notebook, and we're going to go through some things, and they're rich. They're going to they're gonna help you go from one level of faith to another level of faith to another level of faith. And when you go from one level of faith to a higher level of faith, you go from one level of victory to a higher level of victory. That's just the way it works. <laughs> so... Let's get into the word. We're going to begin in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. If you're going to study faith, one of the first things you need to find out is, what is it? <laughs> and so uh, Hebrews, the, the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Paul in Hebrews, tells us exactly what it is. And I'm going to be reading today out of the Amplified Classic version of the Bible. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance... It is the confirmation. It is the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses yet. <laughs> you know, I remember a number of years ago, uh, Miss Billy Brim was believing for an airplane. And <clears throat> the Lord instructed Brother Copeland to give her one. And so, as I recall, it was during a meeting. And if I remember right, Brother Copeland handed her the keys, the title deed. He could have handled her the title. The paper. The paper. Right over the title. To the airplane. And do you know she didn't see that airplane? She was inside a building in a meeting. She couldn't see the airplane. She couldn't taste the airplane. She couldn't hear the airplane. She couldn't feel the airplane. And smell it. But she couldn't smell the airplane. But she sure got excited. <laughs> she acted like that airplane was hers just because she was handed some little something, a title deed, a, a, a key. A trinket. Yeah. But she sure got excited. Why? Because she knew that it was hers. Well, Faith is the title deed 
of the things that we hope for. I've heard people say, oh, now don't get your hopes up. No, 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 no. Jack your hope up just as high as you can get it, but don't leave it there. Put faith with it to make, to give it substance and bring it into physical reality. Praise God. Well, one reason people say don't get your hopes up is the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm. So if you just hope, it actually undermines your faith. That's right. It undermines your spirit and your soul. Makes and, your spirit sick. And so you want to put your hope up there, but it's not a standalone ingredient. That's that's excellent. That's good. Yeah, you gotta you gotta put the faith for the substance. Verse two: For by faith, trust, and holy fervor, born of faith, the men of old had divine testimony born to them and obtained a good report. Now look at verse three: By faith, we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God, so that the, what we see was not made out of things which are visible. Now, we're going to park here for a, a little bit. There's several things in this verse. It's just so power-packed. So we see here by faith and by the Word. It's the two together. It's the two together. You have to have the Word to put your faith on. You can't just put your faith on anything. You've got to put your faith, mix it with the Word. Now listen to this. That the I really like this. The worlds were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose. Well, I know I know you've heard the expression "everybody's world." Everybody's got a world. Mm -hmm. This exactly the way we are supposed to frame, fashion, put in order, and equip our worlds for His intended purpose is by faith by the word of God, just as he did for the worlds of this universe, we are supposed to do it for our worlds. Speak over your household. Absolutely. Speak over your place of employment. Yeah, everything. You know, and as he was fashioned in the worlds, he spoke over animals. He spoke over plants. He, I mean, he spoke over everything. He made them. Well, praise God, speak over your dogs. <laughs> speak over those cats. The cats need it. Yes. Anyway, <clears throat> moving on. Um, <laughs> More speak, importantly, your children, your children, spouse. Your houseplant. But what my, 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 yeah. my deal is, bless your houseplants. If you got a garden, bless it. Fashion your whole world, everything in your world from plants to animals to your health to your finances, everything in your world should be framed fashioned, put in order, and equipped for God's intended purpose by the word of God and faith. Speak over your bank account. Speak over that bank account. Talk back to your wallet. <laughs> hey, your wallet may say, ain't nothing in here. You know, oh, Jesus answered the fig tree. You can answer that wallet, praise God. Yes, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory, not according to my country's uh, recessions, depressions, or inflation, praise God. That goes back to our citizenship is in, in, is in heaven now, praise God. So that we see that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. 
You know, sometimes you'll hear somebody, especially in Sunday school with the little kids and stuff, they say, God made the whole world out, out of, of nothing. nothing. No, he did not. <laughs> he made it out of faith. And the word, you just can't see it. It was made out of something you can't see. But it is a spiritual force that gives substance to hope and creates worlds and tangible things. It can create arms. It can create health in a sick body. It can create financial wealth in a sick bank account. <laughs> it, can, it is a creative force is what faith is. Praise God. It's not nothing. It is a for, spiritual force that has results in the physical realm when it's put to work. Now, something else that faith is, you can find in Romans chapter 3. So turn over there with me. So faith is a spiritual force. We know that. In Romans chapter 3, uh, let's see. Let's pick it up in uh, verse 26, Romans 3, 26. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So here we say that we see that faith is a law. It is the law of faith. So we know that it's a spiritual force and we know that it's a law. So it works very specifically under very specific situations like, say, the law of lift on an airplane, the law of drag, the law of gravity, all of these physics laws or laws of the physical realm. It's based, that's what physics deals with, is a physical realm. These are spiritual laws, laws of the kingdom of God, and one of them is the law of faith, which we are studying now. And so you cannot study the law of faith without referring to Mark chapter 11, glory to God. Contrary, well, people don't say that so much anymore no. because it's a different generation. <clears throat> Back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, people accused Brother Kenneth E. Hagan of writing Mark chapter 11, <laughs> verses 22 through 25. But he didn't. The Holy Ghost did. <laughs> But he sure studied it and taught it, and I am so thankful and grateful that he did. Praise God. So Mark chapter 11, you read in the first part of chapter 11, this, Jesus uses faith. Matter of fact, I just referenced the yeah. fig tree. <laughs> well, this is, where he, this is where the fig tree met its demise uh, in Mark chapter 11. <clears throat> he only... He, he came up to it and he was hungry. It's around 11. There we go. Jesus entered into Jerusalem, into the temple. He looked around about all things. Evening tide was come. He went out, went back to Bethany with the 12. And in the morning, they were come out of Bethany. He was hungry. Seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. The Amplified Classic Version has a very interesting note, explains this, actually. 
um, it you gonna pull it up? It yeah. it basically says that the the tree was out of time. If there were leaves on the tree, there should have been figs on the tree. You find it? Yes. Um, and seeing the distance of fig tree covered with leaves, he went to see if he could find any fruit on it. For in the fig tree, the fruit appears at the same time as the leaves. So when he saw leaves on it, it was, it was reasonable that he should get breakfast because <laughs> there should have been figs on it. So he went over there and the figs were not there. And verse 14 says, and Jesus answered and said unto it, do trees talk? Yeah, just like gas pumps talk, just like your wallet talks, just like your bank account talks and says there's not enough. That tree said, there ain't no figs on me, you won't stay hungry. Well, Jesus answered it with nine words. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it, so he wasn't quiet about it because we know the tree was afar off. <laughs> And he went over there to it. He spoke the desired end result. Now, they went on to the temple, and he did what his assignment was there, which was, first of all, cleanse the temple, drive them out with the whip, and then he taught. And he said, and he taught, and he taught. And then it says, and when even was come. So he taught all day on this. He went out of the city, and in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, we have a tendency as people <laughs> to put things in boxes. Mm -hmm. And we think perhaps the only option was for that fig tree to dry up from the roots. Jesus didn't say, fig tree, you're going to dry up from the roots. He said, fig tree, no one's going to eat fruit of you from this day on forever. So think about this for a moment. That tree could have lived to this day mm -hmm. and gotten leaves on it every year. Yeah. But it was never going to have another fig on it. Now that night while they were in, in Bethany or the next day when they were in the, the temple, there could have come up a big thunderstorm and there could have been a bolt of lightning strike that tree and killed it dead on the spot. Mm -hmm. Or there could have been somebody broke their lantern and burned it up. And a fire mm -hmm. broke out and, and, and burned that tree up. Or somebody just decided to chop it down. Somebody decided to chop it down. Said that fig tree doesn't need to be there anymore. There are so many ways that the desired end result could have happened. Jesus didn't care how it happened. He spoke his faith, turned around, and walked away. Knowing that was gonna be that was gonna be it. That's Jesus walked in faith. Okay, what I'm trying to say is don't put God in a box. A lot of times when we're exercising our faith, we think, okay, now it's got to happen this way. No, not necessarily. God's got, God spoke to Brother Copeland one time. He says, I got a million ways to get a million dollars to you and you can't think of three. <laughs> and he was right. He said, I tried to think of three. He's like, well, somebody could give it to me or um, somebody could give it to me. <laughs> or, <laughs> I mean, you know, but hey, God's got a million ways to do it. Praise God. Now, we come down, the, the disciples, they called to remembrance <laughs> what was said. 
And uh, Peter, he said, hey, master, the behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answered, said unto him, have faith in God. My, 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 my. The cross-reference says, have the faith of God. One translation says, have the God kind of faith. Well, of course, he's where we got it from. <laughs> of course, it's his kind of faith, praise God. Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say unto you, don't you just love it? He is our example. So he teaches on the principle, and then he turns right around and uses it. Praise God. Therefore, because of what I just taught you, I'm saying to you, <laughs> turn around and used it, bless God. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. Now, back up to verse 3. <laughs> I was what? reading Amplified. Forgive him, let it drop, leave it. Let it go. Cut it loose, bless God. <laughs> well, and we've talked about that. Sometimes there's steps in forgiveness. Yeah. For a mature Christian, even a mature Christian, sometimes it takes a little bit to get your heart right where you can forgive it and let it go. But for a baby Christian, sometimes they have to just say, okay, I'm just going to let it go. Let that action go. And then they have to circle back around to forgiving that person. Right. And well, and there's a difference too. I mean, he just taught on faith. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there's a, there's a, you can forgive by <laughs> faith and then still come back and deal with the mental right. uh, aspects of it. You can look at this scripture, read the script. You got something against somebody, read the scripture. Go to the Lord and said, all right, now I see this and I'm supposed to forgive them while I'm standing. Well, I can't stand for days and weeks. <laughs> but, you know, so as an act of my will and of releasing my faith because you said so, I'm releasing my faith as an act of my will in your word and I forgive that person right now. I put it under the blood of Jesus. Now, Father, you're going to have to help me with the... <laughs> with the with the mental thoughts part of this deal. Because you may be walking down the street and see him and go, oh, I forgave him. Oh, I just messed up. No, 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 wait. That's just, That's you know. That's an emotional reaction. Exactly. You know, the, the Jesus, when he was teaching about adultery, and he said, if a man has lusted after a woman in, in his, his heart, he's already committed adultery. What does that mean? Well, you do it. If you had if, if you had an opportunity and wasn't nobody looking, you thought you'd get away with it, you just do it, okay? Well, you've already done it, okay? But there's a difference between that and the thought floating through. Satan has certain rights to introduce thoughts. That's the only thing he has is the mental realm of things, your thought life. He can introduce thoughts. Brother Hagin used to put it this way. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair, okay? That's, that's really what the essence of this is, the, the fleeting thought. thought of, oh, and then you go, nope. Nope, nope, I refuse that. I, ref I cast that thought and imagination down, scriptural, 
then you don't allow an opportunity to get into your heart. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so this is the reverse. Okay. You've got to have unforgiveness in your spirit towards somebody. You, by faith, forgive that person, plead the blood of Jesus over it because you're acting on his word that says you're supposed to forgive, okay? Now, it's out of your spirit, but it hasn't got out of your mind yet. So now you've got to deal with those thoughts. Well, okay. Well, and one more thing on that is we're not saying that what they did was right. No, absolutely not. But... You holding that grudge and you holding that unforgiveness does not hurt them. It hurts hurts you. you. And he brings it up here because it hinders those prayers. When you're praying over something that seems unrelated, I mean, everybody can understand that unforgiveness will affect my peace and composure. But when you're praying over those other things in your life, that's being affected by that unforgiveness. And so he put that right there as a tag on that. Yeah. And and after you get that settled in your spirit and you're dealing with the mind, you go over here to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And it says, in, starting in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, your knowledge of God in this particular situation we're dealing with is He wants you to forgive these people. So any thought that comes against that is against that knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every thought. It doesn't say every now and then or some thoughts. Every thought to the obedience of Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. So you you cast that down and you take hold of those thoughts. How? By saying, back up here. I want to draw your attention to this. Now this, now we're talking about doing this forgiveness thing by faith, but everything that we do by faith works the same way. For verily, verse 23, for verily I say unto you, All right, so he's about to give instruction. So let's do some counting here. I want to point out something here. (laughs) That whosoever shall say, there's a say, unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, there's a believe, that those things which he says, there's a say, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Okay, so he said say, in one form or another, three times in that verse. But he only talked about believing one time. Well, most people don't have a problem knowing that God can do something. They have no problem believing God. But they got a real issue, it seems, with saying it. (laughs) So he emphasized the saying three times. And the believing only once. I owe this to Brother Mark Hankins, by the way. He does the three in one, praise God. I taught that, hey, I taught that in Ukraine not too long ago. Brother Hank, it's going all over Ukraine right now. I'm telling you, it's back in the churches over there. But he told Brother Hagin, the Lord told Brother Hagin that. He said, you're going to have to be, my people don't have that much problem believing me. But they got big problems speaking it, saying it. And you're going to have to teach the saying part three times as much as the believing part. Well, and part of the saying it is... Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you're saying it, you're hearing it and you're building that up. You're building up that stronghold of good things in your heart. Mm -hmm. How many times Jesus said, I say unto you, 
I say unto you. He was He's using, using it like faith. a tool of faith. Praise the Lord. Like it to it is a tool of faith. You've got to say it with your mouth. It, you know, I would, I would, I would say it's pretty good odds that if you ask even even people in Word of Faith churches, he's, uh, do you have what you believe? Most of them would say, well, yeah, you got to have faith. You got to believe in the Word of God. That's not what he said there. He said you. He did not say you will have what you, you believe. believe. He said, you will have what you say. Look here. And it, he didn't even say, now it's true, okay? The word should be coming out of your mouth. That should be what you're saying. But he didn't even say, here, believe those things which are written down in the word. He says, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. Not the things he believes will come to pass, but what he says will come to pass. Then he will have whatsoever he says. You put the word in. It's supposed to come out of your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You put it in your spirit in abundance so that that's what comes out your mouth. Then you believe whatever that was that come out <laughs> your mouth and you believe that what you say will come to pass and it will. You shall have it, bless God. You got to believe it. You've got to say it and you will see it. Don't go anywhere. So we'll be right back. The Diamond in Your Household of Faith is a must-read for every man and woman, married or planning to be married. Dr. David Weider writes in great detail to help you understand the worth and value of one of God's greatest gifts. He takes complex biblical truths and makes them easy to understand for every reader. You'll learn not only how valuable, but also how strong the virtuous, prudent, and good wife is in the sight of God. It elevates the woman to a place of honor that her Heavenly Father intended. David Weider breaks through incorrect religious doctrine by allowing the Bible to interpret the Bible and bringing context to scripture references often void of it. It is only through this truth that we can truly be powerful and effective in our prayers and entire lives. Find out the secret to a healthy, amazing marriage in the diamond in your household of faith. Order your copy today at davidweeder.org. Well, Brother David, I thought we were talking about faith. What are you doing showing us books and stuff? Hey, did, did you not, did you not? Hey, the just shall live by faith. Everything in your household, everything in your life, and most especially your marriage, you have got to live by faith, which means you've got to live by the principles of faith. Speak it. Speak good things over your marriage. Speak good things over your spouse. Speak good things over your wife, over your husband. Bless them every day. And this book uh, is a really good starting place, at least, to get going. And you need to get this, and you need to get the study guide. And both of you sit down and go through them together and fill out that study guide. It'll, there's questions for the men. Yeah. And there's questions for the women. And it'll spur, it'll, it'll, it'll uh, inspire more questions and more things and more digging into the word and more applications for your faith. 
So all the information on how to order those are on your screen below. Uh, take advantage of this research, resource. It's the really the first book that the Lord um, put on my heart for, to, to write from, from David Weider Ministries. And uh, because the two of you together, hey, two of you in agreement can do anything by faith. <laughs> hey, remember, Lynn and I love you so much. God love you. He's always for you. He's never against you. And Jesus is Lord. Thank you, partners and friends, for helping make this broadcast possible. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram. You can also listen to our broadcast on iTunes. For more information about our ministry, contact us at davidweeder.org 